You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you've had an experience with something strange, a cryptid, a ghost, UFOs, or if you know of a story you think we should cover, you can contact us at strangefamiliars.com or email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. I've been getting a ton of email, so if anyone is waiting for a response from me, please be patient. If I'm taking too long, I never mind a little reminder. It's just one guy here doing all the email. I try to keep up with all the comments on Podbean, on Facebook, on Patreon, etc., etc. But I might miss some sometimes. I'm not trying to be rude if that's the case. On tonight's show, we will be talking with Nick. Nick emailed me in December with this very strange experience he had. Some of his experience sounded like a possible really weird kind of alien encounter, and some of it had elements of a fey encounter. I recognize this in his description, so I brought Joshua Cutchin in for the interview. Josh and I talked with Nick in December. It's a pretty interesting tale. It's really weird in, in all the good ways.
I'm going to try to contain my excitement. seems like we've told Tim some really fascinating stuff that I don't know how you kept it together. So <laughs> eager to hear where you're coming from. If you guys are ready, I can just kind of start out and essentially yeah. sort of recap what I uh, sent to Tim. Josh Cutchen is here. Say hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking with Nick, who had a really, really fascinating experience very recently that you contacted me about. So without further ado, I just go ahead and start and get into it. And I guess we'll ask questions here and there. And mostly let's just, just hear what you experienced. Yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks so, for coming on. Uh, yeah, this happened the night of December 12th, which I think is exactly two weeks ago now. It was about the middle of the night, and I was fast asleep. And actually, it might work better if I tell you sort of the layout of, of our apartment first, because it kind of matters for sort of how things move physically in this encounter, I guess. It's just a one-bedroom apartment, and we've got a balcony in the living room that has a sliding glass door on it. And that balcony is parallel with the window in the bedroom. That's really kind of all you need to know for this. So it was the middle of the night, and I heard the sliding glass window to our balcony in the living room slam shut, which is like a really loud and distinctive sound in this apartment that we have. So I sat up really fast so I could go see what was going on. I didn't know if somebody was like breaking into the apartment or something, which was confusing because we live on the fourth floor, so it's not like someone's going to come in through the balcony. Right as I sat up, it's kind of unclear whether my eyes were closed or if this was something that was superimposed over my field of vision. But as I sat up, I saw the silhouettes of three people and the person in the middle was a bit taller than the other two and had kind of like silver almond shaped eyes kind of superimposed over the silhouette of the person in the middle. And I hear this voice. It's not a voice like if someone in the room was talking to you, but it was like a voice that felt like it was being projected into my mind, into my head, and it just said, be calm, be calm, be calm. And at that moment, it worked, and I felt a lot calmer, and I started to lay back down, and as I did, I looked towards the foot of the bed where there's a hallway that goes into our living room. And when I look over, I see a man and a woman that are maybe three or four feet tall, and they're completely naked. They have kind of whitish, silvery skin, and they're just kind of standing there at the entrance to the hallway looking at me. And they don't have any genitals. They don't have ears. They just kind of have holes to hear with. And then the one that I would describe as looking more male kind of has a more nondescript face with less, I guess, less well-defined facial features and just kind of black eyes. The female one was interesting because it almost looked like like someone trying to dress up as a human who didn't quite get everything right, <laughs> where um, she had sort of shoulder-length white hair, and there was just something about her facial features that were like, I don't know, not quite right. But neither of their bodies, these were sort of, I guess, the heads of adult humans, or a close approximation, but the body seemed like completely under, undeveloped, almost like kind of like the body of a child, except for there were no features, no nipples or genitals or anything like that. So... They stood there, and we just kind of looked at each other eye to eye for a few seconds, which felt like a really long time in the moment, and then they ran down the hallway. So I look over, and my husband, who's laying in bed next to me, he is completely like oblivious, dead to the world, asleep, and we have two dogs that were asleep on the floor, and 
they were also completely oblivious. So I ran down the hall and into the living room and no one's there. It's like dead silent, middle of the night, nothing's going on. So I walk out onto our balcony and I look over at the window to our bedroom, which is parallel with the balcony. <clears throat> and I see the head of the more the more male looking of the two sticking out the window looking at me. And the odd thing about this is that there is a screen on that window and Throughout the totality of this encounter, the screen's either not in the window or this thing and myself just put our head through the screen magically somehow. <laughs> but um, so I see that he's in our bedroom looking at me through the window. So then I run back into the bedroom. Once again, there's nobody there except for my husband and the two dogs that are passed out asleep. So I put my head out the window and I see the female one standing on the balcony. And I tried to yell, like, hey, or something to get her attention. I'm not even sure why, but it just felt like a thing to do in the moment. And when I tried to, I was under so much anxiety, and this happens to me a lot in stressful situations, where my mouth was just really, really dry, and I couldn't, like, get out a single word. But I had seen that she could, she had noticed I was there, so I stuck my hand out and waved. And when I did that, her body language kind of relaxed noticeably, and she waved back. So... After that point where we kind of shared that wave, I saw that she went back into the house off of the balcony. So I went back down the hall from the bedroom back to the living room. And then I remember seeing both of them standing next to each other, kind of similar, similarly to how they were when I first saw them in the bedroom at the foot of the bed. And then that's where my memory kind of cuts out. So I black out or whatever. And then the next thing I know, I wake up back in bed and... I'm feeling still kind of pretty anxious and stressed out. And outside the bedroom window, I hear what sounds like just this enormous, huge, like hurricane level windstorm. And it goes on for maybe 60 seconds or so. It's not very, it's very intense, but very short. And then I fell back asleep somehow. <laughs> and then I woke up the next morning and I was like positively just like completely shaking. And I woke up a few minutes before the alarm went off. And I just laid there trying to gather, gather my thoughts, kind of be like, what the hell just happened? Because it was beyond anything I've experienced. It was very, it was, it felt hyper real, but also very bizarre at the same time. And then my husband woke up and I kind of explained what happened. And he was like, well, you do have vivid dreams. That must have been like a crazy dream. And I was like, I don't know if I ever left the bed for this experience, but it did not feel like a dream. It definitely felt not just real, but kind of like realer than real, if that makes any sense. Absolutely makes sense to me. Like, I know that feeling. When I try to explain to people the uh, quote-unquote abduction experiences I've had when I'm like, well, it wasn't like a dream, but it wasn't like real life either. It seemed like more real than real life, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Because I've had sleep paralysis experiences before, but this was not like that at all. Yeah, we usually don't. And like you said, who knows if you actually got up, but... Even in sleep paralysis, you usually aren't able to get up and, and move around, you know. Exactly. But I appreciate, to no end, the fact that you're leaving yourself some some wiggle room for whether or not that is, it was possibly, I mean, a dream. Because, I mean, I, you know, I'm of the mindset that imaginal and imaginary are not the same thing. And that 
an experience can be a dream experience and be just as profound and just as meaningful. I mean, if you look at, I think that, you know, a lot of, well, first of all, holy cow, amazing experience. I have a lot of stuff to unpack that kind of blew my mind. I was on mute, so I actually, I was actually laughing halfway through because of some stuff that really made sense. I'm like, of course, it's what happened. But you look at a lot of representations of, of fairyland throughout, you know, different cultures and whatnot. And, you know, Tirnanog, the land of the fairies, and Dreamland were one and the same. So I don't think that the... No, no, people were probably ripping out their hair over me saying something like this, but I don't think the fact that you might have been asleep really diminishes the importance of the encounter. No, me either. And and I've said this several times recently that I, I was completely validated when I talked to Mike Clellan and talked about my, again, I always throw the quotes around when I say abduction experiences, and I said, I don't know if I ever left my bed. I really don't think I did. And, and Mike said, well, yeah, that's how I described mine. And I was completely mm. validated by that. So I completely agree, Josh. And, yeah. So is it okay for me to jump in with some observations? Oh, please do. Okay, so so you think this was the 12th, or it was the 12th? Yeah, this I know for a fact this was the night of the 12th. Because the next morning is when right. I sent the email to, to Tim. So you realize that's a Wednesday, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, so I've not seen anything in my own research that's really borne this out, but it was a big John Keel thing that UFOs, UFOs, one of my 1950s NICAP guy, UFOs, <laughs> um, <laughs> tend to be sighted most often on Wednesdays, and on top of that, Wednesday was traditionally held in Celtic lore as the most active day for the fairies. The 12th is also uh, has two significant, because uh, I just sort of did a quick Google while you're talking, has two significant feast days on it. One of them is the Feast of St. Columba, who is a an Irish saint who has a, a not insignificant uh, amount of sort of fairy lore connected to him. And it's also the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is one of the most mystical Marian apparitions. Certainly and in, know, the, in the New World, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As a Christian at Christmas, this might be a little bit blasphemous, but, uh, you know, it's just the slightest of separations between a lot of these Marian apparitions and what we would call fairy lore in another culture. So those three things just jumped right out at me right away. Uh, I would ask you, so there's a couple questions I have. You mentioned that something was not quite right about the female's appearance. What was the expression that you saw, or was there any expression, or like... When you say not quite right, was it like not quite right in terms of like ill-applied makeup, that kind of not quite right, or not quite right in terms of like melty and malformed, or you know, like a like a Halloween mask, or like what do you mean by not quite right? Yeah. So for the female's appearance, I said it felt not quite right. You asked kind of about the the facial expression. I would say the male one didn't have much of a facial expression. The female one definitely had kind of like sort of a smirk on her face. I would guess. Okay. I guess, but she did have kind of some eye makeup that looked sort of oddly applied, like in a strange way. And there was something about her nose that looked not quite right. Like it wasn't necessarily like centered or shaped the way the nose is usually shaped, but her face definitely didn't have kind of like a Halloween mask appearance. It was kind of like someone had tried to put on makeup and maybe even maybe like sort of a prosthetic nose or something to look more human, but hadn't necessarily done it quite right. Interesting. Um, I'm reminded of, well, not only, you know, sort of these, sort of these explanations you, or these descriptions, rather, you hear of, <clears throat> of the men in black sort of appearing uncannily 
not quite human. But uh, are you are you familiar at all with the work of Dan Mitchell? Uh, no, I'm not. So he's an experiencer who has had, and you know, your mileage may vary on this. Mine does too. I mean, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I believe the entire story myself. But uh, he is an experiencer from Wisconsin who has had a lifelong interaction with what he describes as this Harlequin sort of character. And what he will on, what he often talks about is this sort of, it appears as this sort of androgynous, leaning slightly towards female sort of character, but it always has this sort of malformed sort of look to it in the sense that it doesn't, it just doesn't quite nail what it, <laughs> what it means to look like a human being. Um, and you mentioned the smirk. I, I, if, I, if, if I recall correctly, a lot of Mitchell's experiences are of this entity having sort of a surprised or sort of sort of smiling sort of look on its face. So I think that's. I don't know. Again, I don't want to make of that. I'm just you know going off off the cuff here. This seems really interesting. I think it's really fascinating and validating in a lot of ways that you were unable to you know wake up your husband. That's something that you see. Actually, actually, since we're you know Tim and I are doing this weird Bigfoot book together, you see that not only in fairy fairy lore and alien lore, you know, uh, but also in uh, in Bigfoot lore. I have oh, a couple yeah. different cases of, of people falling asleep and you can't wake them up when there's a Bigfoot around. You know, there's one person is experiencing it and nobody else does. I think it's echoed also in in the accounts where you know, which again has happened to me twice, where I see something and you're trying to get the other person's attention and it just it's like it doesn't register for them. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of disinterest that people have, mm-hmm. um, which you know, even with people who <clears throat> who should be really interested in these things, sometimes they'll. I, I've talked to multiple researchers. There was a guy with Georgia Mufon who uh, was a. He's like he's, he's like a charter member of Mufon in Georgia, and he like stopped by the side of the road and saw this amazing crop circle and said, "Oh, I guess I better get back." You know, get better get back home. And then he got home and he's like, "Why didn't I take pictures? Why didn't I do any of this, <laughs> this stuff?" And I've heard that that sort of thing time again. Can I ask you to describe the sound, the, the sort of wishing wind sound that, that you mentioned? Yeah, so, you know, kind of the sound, like, at the beginning of a thunderstorm where things are getting more intense and the winds are kind of, like, whipping up and building intensity? It kind of started like this, but on a much higher level of intensity than you would normally hear in, like, a sort of a typical run-of-the-mill thunderstorm. I didn't hear any thunder, but it was kind of that level of, of sort of build-up. And then it got... Sort of to like a sort of fever pitch where it was just like roaring, roaring wind outside for, you know, maybe the first 15 seconds would build up and then a roaring, roaring wind for the next 30. And then the last 15 would be, you know, kind of dying down until there was nothing left. See, that's, that's interesting to me for a number of different reasons. You know, it was commonly assumed that, I mean, sort of the, the motif of a storm being a passageway or a means of facilitating travel to the other world is, is common in worldwide folklore, but also that the idea of the fairies traveling on winds is, is something that's very specific to uh, to the British Isles. I can't tell you how many stories I've read where, for example, a changeling is left behind, and, and, and the mother recalls, like, describes this sound like a thousand birds flapping their wings or something along this line. Just sort of this hum of, you know, wind and air. That, that occurs in, in numerous stories that I can think of off the top of my head. Are you comfortable with me asking what your heritage is? Yeah, no, that's fine. Actually, <laughs> that's a good question. My uh, my family's mostly Irish. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah, my my grandma, my, my uh, maternal grandmother's last name is McCray. So. Well, and, and and that's that's a little bit. I mean, that's a little bit sort of a 
fish in the barrel sort of thing with how many Irish came over here. But <laughs> but yeah. uh, I, I think that's I think it's not inconsequential. Let's put it that way. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When Nick sent this account to me, Josh, I read it and I went, well, yeah, sounds weird and UFO-y, but really sounds like fairies. Like, it really, really does. Well, I'm, I'm over making that distinction. Like, I'm, I'm just done with, with separating that out. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah, I think if you go far enough down that path, you sort of, and you're keeping your eyes open, you sort of wind up with sort of the same things. How do you interpret this? What happened to you? You know, what's what's your sense? Yeah. So prior to this, I didn't really know a whole lot about fairy lore. I did a little bit of research afterwards, just after um, Tim mentioned bringing you onto the podcast. And I saw your blog. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of hard to to interpret. I can definitely see where there's sort of some common threads where it seems like if you're going to compare it to experiences other people have had, almost kind of like a mishmash of like alien encounter, like fairy encounter stuff. The windstorm thing was really interesting because – when it happened at the time, I wasn't even sure if it was at all related or maybe it was just the storm that it woke me up. And when I sent in the email to Tim, I just kind of included it as a detail that was going on in the background of the experience. And then when he mentioned your name, I read your blog and I saw some posts about winds and things like that being related to sort of these kind of visitations. And I was like, that's really bizarre because, you know, I might not have even included it as a detail if it hadn't just been so loud that it was like seemed odd to, and to stand out. I, yeah, as far as how to interpret it, I don't know. It's kind of just like a weird, maybe like semi like psychic or mental event of some kind is how I would interpret it. I don't know. As far as trying to interpret any kind of intent or anything behind it, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not really sure how to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I do either. It yeah. makes me feel any better. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say um, they didn't really feel like malevolent. Like I had, a, I had a sense that. If these things really wanted to hurt me, they would have done it well before I even noticed they were in the room kind of thing. They just they felt dangerous, but not necessarily malevolent, if that if that tracks. Yep. Yeah, as yep. far as interpretation, I don't know, I'm kind of at a loss. <laughs> I was just like, well, this was a super crazy experience, and I'd been listening over the last like maybe couple of months to this podcast, and I was like, this would be, you know, potentially an interesting story that they would be be into oh yeah no I'm, I'm fast i'm fascinated whenever i can find somebody who has these little details like the uh well a like you know when it happened to you but also the the, the detail of the wind i mean if you took somebody off the street and asked them to sort of fabricate a ferry encounter they'd never come up with that uh can i, I ask you some more questions that you can answer to varying degrees of your comfort level is that okay yeah absolutely that's, that's and we're not we're, we're just we're not live so it's not, no big deal i guess so what do you do for a living 
I work for a for a nonprofit. I've got a, a master's in anthropology. The work I do is not necessarily directly related to that. It's mostly right. kind of like community organizing work for for low income immigrants in and, Northern Virginia. And is it uh, is it nine to five or sort of you know t- is do you work odd hours or how does that work? Um, yeah, sometimes I work odd hours. Sometimes I end up working weekends or nights. It kind of varies depending on okay. sort of what kind of programming and things we have going on in the community. So would you feel comfortable saying that your weeks are not necessarily predictable in terms of like the sort of hours that you'll keep or? Yeah, I th- I'd say that's fair. Okay. Interesting. What is like, I guess my next question would be probably be something along the lines of, um, are there any sort of changes in your life? Have you moved? Like, are you in the process of moving or have you moved or is there any, any people coming in and out of your life in a big way or anything like that? No, not really. I mean, okay. I've been living the same place for about five years now, and okay. haven't been moved or had any like new friends or family changes recently. Interesting. Okay, the anti-structural sort of lifestyle tracks on to from what I, you know, I'm taking a page from Jeff Ritzman's book here, but uh, <laughs> that that uh, that sort of, that sort of tracks. Interesting. Okay. What an interesting story. Oh, it's um, amazing. The, your description, and, and now I've, you know, it's been two minutes, so I've lost your exact phrasing, but when you said they, you got the impression they were dangerous, how did you phrase it? Dangerous, but so not... That they felt dangerous, but not malevolent. Dangerous, but not malevolent. I think that's an incredible description, because there's something about that that just, just rings so true to me with uh, so many of these things, that... You know, now my own, you know, abduction experiences, I definitely got some malevolence, but that to me just seems so legit, like that feeling that you got it's, from. It's my, it's my big problem with the whole sort of demon angle that people have on things. I got into this exhaustive conversation with my brother-in-law about, you know, why, why aren't they good or bad? Like what, what, if you, if you think these things are real, why aren't they good or bad? And I'm like, it's it's not the way life works, you know? <laughs> so I, I, I like the idea that there are things that are free agents, and it's like uh, it's like Gordon White often says, like, a shark isn't good or evil, but a shark's going to shark, and a shark can can ruin your life, or it can just swim right on by, and that seems to really track with what y'all are talking about as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the, the three entities, you described the sort of male and female one, and the other entity, was that taller, you said? This is the taller one. I only really saw, I guess if, if we want to assume that the two entities I saw were two of the three that I saw the silhouette of when I first tried to get up, I never saw the, the taller third one in the middle that had kind of like the silvery eyes superimposed over it. So it was just basically a, a silhouette. Yeah, so I saw the, the, it started out with seeing this, the three silhouettes and then sort of feeling that voice in my head, but I never saw a third entity actually like in the apartment. Right. Wow, that's yeah. It definitely at the time felt like the voice was coming from the taller one with the silvery eyes, um, rather than the other two. That tracks as well. I mean, <laughs> again, I don't know how the guy in charge or something, but <laughs> well, I mean, this is something. This is one of those things that not a lot of people really address. But if you look at a lot of these experiences, again, fairies, aliens, and even Bigfoot, I would make that argument. You know, you have in in the fairy lore, you have the fairy queen who tends to be a little bit taller and is always in charge. You have, you know, in alien abductions, you have the tall gray versus the shorter grays. And I would even argue that, you know, in, in sightings of Bigfoot and Littlefoot, you know, this, this Bigfoot that seems to be in charge while these other little, smaller, shorter Bigfoot run around. 
So the idea that the taller one would be sort of in charge, it fits perfectly as well. I mean, it really does. Hmm, that's really interesting. Yeah. The three entities, that's a big one too. So you get three, and yes. so, someone mm-hmm. described it as the, the, what is the guardians on the threshold or something, whenever you see three. And in my major, like terribly frightening abduction experience, there was three in my repeated dreams from when I was a childhood there was always three witches in that so I've experienced that three as well so that's a thing leaning out the window even though you said there should have been a screen there now did you remember like actively opening the window or did you just kind of lean through it I don't remember actively opening the window I remember just kind of just leaning through it and it was sort of already open which I'm not sure if it was if that was the case when we went to bed because it would have been pretty cold outside <laughs> sure yeah you know, there's a lot of these abduction accounts where people feel like they've been sort of levitated through walls and, and so forth. The way the window opens, does it swing out or is it the lift up? Or It just slides across the other the other pane. It slides across. Okay, so it could, it could have been open, like, you know, if we're talking about things that can manipulate things, they could have already had it open. Yeah, it's very possible. Potentially. I mean, it's, you know, and, and again, I don't, I don't think that necessarily tracks or or, uh, or plays into this. I think we're in a whole other place where rules aren't exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, aspects of this sound very much like a dream. But I, I don't think that really diminishes the power of what you've experienced because if it was a straight-up dream, you're mainlining that collective unconscious because some, so many of the things are really spot on. The thing that Tim said about the threes, I mean, if you look at, you know, one of the first manifestations recorded of the men in black was three. I mean, three entities is something that appears time and time and again. And I think that's sort of, you know, that's kind of a, uh, a bullet in the chamber for the, for the demonic folks, because there's so much association with three and the Trinity. But then again, at the same time that has deeper, you know, pagan roots as well, this idea of, of things coming in threes. Oh yeah. The other thing I was going to say too, that I meant to say earlier is that, um, there's, this is actually, you know, short of that sort of Halloween Samhain season, there's a lot of lore about fairy activity ramping up around around Christmas time. So I, I think that's the, the the timing of it's interesting in that respect as well. And I just completely stepped all over you, Tim. I'm so I'm so sorry, buddy. Oh I'm no, just, no. Uh, Strange Familiars is brought to you by our patrons. If you'd like to help us continue to make the show and get extra content please consider becoming a patron at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. We just released a new patron show on 1800s airships for our patrons this week. It's our second in January. We try to do two shows a month for patrons, or two full episodes of Strange Familiars, but we always do at least one. If we can't get two out, we always do at least one. If you want to help us out, you want to get extra content, head on over to our Patreon There are other levels of support there as well. If you want to go in a little higher level, you can get bonuses like t-shirts, pins, stickers, and more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And I'd like to thank all of our current patrons. Without you, the show would not be possible. Another big help, if you want to give a little extra, or if you can't afford to become a patron or you don't like the idea of the monthly subscription, you can go to strangefamiliars.com and look in the show notes. There's a PayPal Me link there to make a one-time donation.
I know you said that the two entities that you got to see, I guess, repeatedly, like, mm-hmm. you know, in your apartment, how tall would you say they were? Um, they were like maybe three to four feet tall. Okay. Basically the same height each. Yeah. I would say the, yeah, the male and the female one were essentially the same height. And you got the impression they were naked, not just wearing some kind of bodysuit or something like that. Um, that's actually a really interesting question because, so I remember looking at them and being like, well, these people are naked. That's strange. And then I remember when I noticed that they didn't have genitals, that sort of the area around sort of the crotch where you would normally have genitals, it seemed almost kind of like, almost like a, like a wrinkled mylar texture kind of over like where the pubic mound would be. And it, yeah, which was almost, almost, I don't know, like the rest of their body looked like it was, you know, their skin. But in that sort of area, it almost kind of looked like, it sounds weird to describe almost sort of like a mylar jumpsuit kind of texture. <laughs> wow. Josh, what's with the fairies and genitals? Many accounts of, of them being sexless or otherwise? I've never run across a description of fairy genitalia, but uh, <laughs> I would assume that given sort of the lore and, and their propensity for for uh, interbreeding with humans, that is not the case. Um, I will say that reports of nude alien greys not showing genitalia are legion. And I'll also say that, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, it's just sort of the mindset that I'm in, but, uh, you know, Tim, how often do you hear about Bigfoot dongs? It's not often. It's out there, but yeah. you don't hear about it, you know, it's not like, it's not a super common thing either. So, And, and I have to say that the number one comment I get like say if I share a Bigfoot illustration from a book I'm working on and uh, it shows the crotch area of people say number one comment on Facebook where's this dong or some variation thereof and then I will have to explain well interestingly enough most people don't report seeing one (laughs) to be fair to the flesh and blood apers I don't notice whenever I go to the zoo I don't notice ape genitalia either yeah Exactly. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. The other thing that tracks with that, not to get too off topic, is that as far as primates go, we humans are the lucky ones in that department. <laughs> other uh, <laughs> primates are, are not well. Speak for yourself, Tim. Speak <laughs> off, jeez. <laughs> other primates in general are not well endowed. So uh, that actually tracks as well with, with if you're going to think of them as natural creatures. But let's not get into Josh, we're going to have about 10 shows on Weird Bigfoot when our book comes <laughs> I out. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> So that that tracks more with like sort of the alien encounter mythos than it does fairy eth- the fairy thing. I mean, so stepping aside, like not necessarily genitalia, but as far as private parts go, the more female of the two, were there any any sort of you might might have said this, but were there any sort of breasts or anything along those lines? So no, as far as from the from sort of the the neck down, they looked essentially identical. Interesting. Okay, because that is something that you do run into. A pretty regular. There, there wouldn't say plenty, but there are definitely descriptions of fairy breasts. So that's um, interesting that it was sort of nondescript from the neck down. I'm very, very interested in the sequence of events where you're on the balcony. So you were on the balcony first and saw was it the female leaning out of the window? No, it was actually the other way. Okay. Around. So I yeah, so I went on the balcony first after I kind of just 
sort of chased them down the hall, and I saw the male one's face kind of hanging out the window looking at me, okay. which is when I went back into the bedroom and then saw the female standing out on the balcony. Okay. That sequence of event is, is I mean, it's just so weird, but it's it's creepy but it, it's it's amazing and then so you wave to her which yeah i don't really know why i just felt like i needed to get her attention for some reason i don't really know yeah i didn't really it doesn't it didn't feel like anything that i was doing during this encounter necessarily had like a clear intention or reason behind it it just kind of felt like the obvious and natural thing to do as far as like trying to chase them through the apartment or trying to get her attention and those sort of things. Right, right. It seemed like a natural response, her waving back, or did it seem like she was sort of aping your wave? No, it, it seemed like it seemed like there was sort of a recognition and like a natural response that you know you naturally wave back to someone who's waved at you. That sequence is so amazing and so creepy. That's one of the things. Like when you when you uh, first emailed, it just stuck with me that whole sequence of events mm. so in any of my you know so-called abduction things i've never been able to get up i've always been locked into into bed basically yeah over the summer i had several sort of like sleep paralysis i guess would be the best experiences where i would wake up and i would be completely unable to move and there was like this huge like six seven foot tall black praying mantis just kind of standing either at the side of the bed or the foot just looking at me being sort of very creepy and imposing and that happened to me so many times over the summer that i would wake up and be paralyzed and see this thing and be like oh it's just that guy again and then go back to sleep wow wow (laughs) see that's a thing too these sort of insectoid things you know with and and hasn't happened to me probably since like august I mean, and I think I heard you say something similar to this, Josh, and I'm really there lately where I'm not sure sleep paralysis isn't a side effect of other paranormal things going on. I mean, yeah, I I, I hate this idea that, oh, it's just sleep paralysis. Well, that's that's a huge statement to make, you know, It, uh, it does that sort of reduction of skeptical thing of conflating a vector for a cause, right? So, just, yes, sleep paralysis is a medical thing, but what if it's a vector for something more anomalous to take place, something more anomalous to happen? Well, I'll tell you this. So, I started asking my flannel man witnesses, have you ever had sleep paralysis? Not in conjunction with, you know, your flannel man setting, but ever in your life. And the answer is almost 100% yes. So then I just started asking other people when they came on the show, no matter what their experience was, have you ever had sleep paralysis? And the answer is almost 100% yes. People who have paranormal encounters also have sleep paralysis. Yeah. Go go ahead. Sorry. sorry. (laughs) No, No, I'm just going to say, I wonder if there's something in people's like neurological makeup that makes you more likely to experience sleep paralysis, that somehow also makes you sort of more likely to have these other kind of paranormal experiences. Yeah, that's sort of been my my attitude for a while, for the last little while, is that, I mean, I, I think that if you like saying that there's something to the fairy experience and the alien experience, I don't think you can go too far into these subjects and be intellectually honest and not see that there's a strong altered state of consciousness component. Not necessarily drug-induced, but just literally like altered states of consciousness, and that's what, that's what you know, that's what dream time is, is being in dreams is is by definition an altered state of consciousness. 
So there's this Aboriginal concept that uh, that Sarai Ascath from Where the Road Go actually sort of in, uh, introduced me to. This idea of you know big dreams and little dreams, and big dreams are the dreams that actually have some sort of legitimate, substantial impact on your life. And little dreams are the dreams that are just sort of like, you know, fleeting. They're like, you know, I was walking down the street and my hat was made of jam. And then I saw a cat that said, good evening, sir. You know, <laughs> like this sort of nonsensical. I, myself, am unfortunately little dream prone. I don't have many big dreams, it doesn't seem. Actually, it's a pretty good question to ask, too. Have you had any sort of, have you been aware of any dreams sort of manifesting things in your life at all at any, at any point or seem to have a predictive quality at all? I don't want to go necessarily to the step of saying I'm having like prophetic dreams. Right. But, um, I've definitely had, and I know there's a name for it, I can't remember what the name is, where you, it's kind of like deja vu, but it's that you dreamed it instead of that you lived it before. Deja vu. You'll be in a situation, I've had this many times, I've been in a situation and someone says something and it triggers a memory where I'm like, you know what? I just dreamed this like a week ago or a few days ago. And then I'll be like, well, this person's going to say this and then somebody else is going to say this. And then they'll walk through the room, and then something else will happen. And then it'll play out almost exactly how, it, how I remember it playing out in the dream. So that has, yeah, I have had, I think I answered your question. I have had things like that happen to me before. It's uh, Deja Reve is the name yeah. for it. Deja Reve, yes. Mm-hmm. In your past, have you ever had any other experiences with, shall we say, the other ghosts, anything like that? Yeah, I've had a few, a few other experiences that were definitely not on the same level of sort of length or detail as this, but I have kind of three experiences that are sort of maybe tangentially related or felt similar to this one, where I remember, I know, kind of in chronological order, when I was in middle school, maybe like fifth or sixth grade, I was walking between classes, and then suddenly it was like someone had like flipped a light switch or snapped their fingers. And I was just standing in like outer space, <laughs> um, like just kind of standing there. And I was dressed in all black, which is not what I had been wearing at that day. And just sort of looking at a planet. And I'm just, just thinking, well, this is strange, but it was sort of very calming. And then I walked into a pole <laughs> and sort of snapped out of it. <laughs> um, wow. and then, yeah. So and then maybe three or four years later, I think I was in like seventh or eighth grade. I was sitting in bed, and we had just moved into this house over the summer. Um, and I was sitting in bed reading a book, and on my left, on that wall, there was a window. And so the moonlight was coming in. And I looked up, and I saw the silhouette of someone standing at the foot of my bed. And I thought maybe it was like my little brother or somebody just standing there. And I looked up, and I was like, hey, go back to bed, this isn't funny, or something like that. And then they just kind of, like, melted and, like, fell sort of beneath the uh, the foot of the bed, like, towards the floor. And I thought maybe he it was my, my brother still, and he had, like, crouched down at the foot of the bed or something to, to mess with me. So I got up, and I turned on the light switch. Nobody in the room. I walked across the hall and saw that he was asleep in his bed, and he has always slept really hard. Like, he's slept through, like, fires and tornadoes and stuff. So... And that was enough to convince me that it definitely was not him. And I was pretty freaked out. I think I was maybe like 13 or 14 at the time. And I just like got back in bed and pulled the covers over myself and was like, I'm just going to pretend that didn't happen because it was, it was definitely scary at the time. And then one other experience, which you actually reminded me of when you were talking about the uh, seeing groups of 
sort of like three entities was this was in high school. I used to work in a bookstore and whenever I would walk back home, cause it was within walking distance, maybe a mile or so I had to walk over this bridge. And one day it was a completely normal day. I was walking home and sort of a similar thing to what had happened to me back in like middle school where it was like suddenly I was in another place before I, in, in that situation, I walked literally into a pole that was outside and he kind of like snapped me back to reality. But I was walking over this bridge and around, about when I got to the apex of the bridge, suddenly, instead of being like in a black space, which is usually how like outer space is depicted, I was in like this brilliantly white, bright white space. And I could see this black ball that was like blacker than black. And then I saw three entities that... The best way I can describe them is kind of, they were humanoid, but they didn't have, like, facial features. They almost looked like they were made out of, like, liquid glass. And I, it's kind of actually similar to the experience that I had on the 12th of this month. I felt a voice sort of projected into my head, and it was, and it said, I remember it said, you're very lucky to be seeing this. And the three entities kind of put their arms, they didn't have hands, but their arms over their head and the image of the black ball just kind of zoomed in. And I realized the black ball was, I guess you could say the earth or any other planet. It was clearly a planet though. And almost like out of the dirt, like a plant would grow all of the plants and animals and things living on this planet just grew out of the dirt, almost like they had roots. And then suddenly I was back on the bridge again. It didn't seem like any time had passed and I just walked home. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And there wasn't a sort of a missing time element when you got home. You got home at approximately the correct time. I think so. I didn't I didn't think to check the clock or anything at the time, yeah, but but you I didn't, didn't notice it. people were like you've been gone for hours or anything like that. Right. It seemed right. like, you know, in my from my subjective experience, it felt like maybe it was like a 5-minute interlude where suddenly I wasn't on the bridge anymore. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know when I when I came to or came back or whatever, I was standing in the exact same place. Like it just happened, like mid step, kind of. Right. But um, yeah, I don't know. Those are kind of two other, or I guess three other sort of bizarre experiences that kind of felt like they were sort of in sort of like you were saying, Josh, that kind of altered state of consciousness. Right. I think all of these, but we'll take the most recent one as the best example. I know I, that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah. It could be taken as this sort of fey experience on one hand, but then it has so much in common with these UFO experiences that are just like odd. You know, that like like I said, not funny haha, but just funny odd. You know, where things just aren't quite right. It's just like a string of non sequiturs, yeah. You'll find that a lot of times where the whatever they're doing, whatever these entities are, whatever they do just seems inconsequential and uh you know none uh just doesn't make any sense you know just where you know you come thousands of light years to touch someone's nose and walk away it's like <laughs> just silly stuff like that you know uh where it, it, it doesn't really seem to map on any sort of profound meeting which uh yeah I, I i would agree with that too because like if if this was an objectively real experience you know what purpose did they serve like it sounds like the the event itself was profound for you but it doesn't sound like you know revealed the uh revealed the meaning of of life to you or anything along those lines right no not at all exactly it was kind of 
I don't know, like specifically with the one on on the bridge, it almost felt like I had just like walked into a room in the middle of a meeting that I wasn't supposed to be in or something where none of them felt like they had a sort of a narrative structure or that some special meaning to me or that I was like chosen or anything like that. It was just kind of like, like I said, just kind of like walking into a room you're not supposed to be in and you're like, oh, there's weird things going on in here. And then you would kind of walk back out to where they didn't really seem connected, but they all seemed sort of strange and sort of like moments like out of time or out of, out of reality. When this, the, the most recent event on the 12th, when that was happening, do you remember noting while it was happening that like that it was strange that your husband was sleeping or was it just, it, you kind of realized it later? Like, Oh, he slept through that whole thing. At the time I remember kind of thinking like, how could you possibly be sleeping through something like this? But it didn't seem like strange or like paranormal that he was asleep. It was just like, well, you happen to be unlucky that you were asleep while this is happening. <laughs> and th- since that time, has he? He's gonna. Uh, he's not gonna sign off on anything more than this is just a vivid dream. Do you think? Um. Yeah. He's 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 definitely more the more the more skeptical of the two of us. I don't know. I mean, if somebody else told me it happened, I might think the same thing and be like, that was a crazy dream that you had, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, I, and, and I'm not saying it's not. You, you know, I'm I'm in agreement with Josh that, you know, even if, if it was a dream, it's still an incredibly powerful dream that's sort of you're channeling something from uh, the, the collective unconscious of these um, archetypes and so forth that we talk about so much on the show. Wow, it's such an incredible experience. Josh, do you have any more questions? I'm sure as soon as we hang up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think of one. But at the moment right now, no. I'll just say it's consistent, top to bottom. Like, that's that's part of my takeaway. Like, it's one thing when you have people say things about, you know, seeing little people and they sort of wrap it in this quaint children's book version of the way that these things tend to unfold. But there are some things that you said that I'm not even entirely sure that you were aware of that uh, really do have a... Uh, significant precedent in a lot of my research as well. Yeah, I guess I guess my other question would be uh, if you don't want this to happen again, let me know and I can give you some advice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, really, really, really fascinating stuff. Thanks so much, Tim, for bringing me in on this. Oh yeah, that's, that's when I read it I was like, okay, I'm going to have to bring Josh in on this because there's, there's a lot here, and uh, I know it, it was actually the whooshing you know, wind sound that I went, okay, yeah, that's something. I know that's something in, in uh, Fairy Lord that I've read in, in Josh's books and so forth, so this needs to be a group chat here. Yeah, totally. Well, Nick, well, keep us updated. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for sharing your story, and, and keep us updated if anything else happens. Yeah, I will. I mean, other than, than you know having some trouble going to sleep for the next couple of weeks just kind of <laughs> right right a little on edge nothing uh nothing has really happened since um if something does happen i'll let you know but um if you think of any other questions like once you hang up you can yeah feel free to email me and i'll try to answer to the best of my ability sure yeah and well i guess that that is like the last question is that you know so the nights following this it didn't seem like it was an incredibly disturbing or frightful experience weird you know but you you didn't seem incredibly you know, frightened by it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong there. So, yeah. So I wasn't really, like you said, I wasn't super like scared or terrified or anything in the moment, but sort of after and like the day or so after I sort of were being 
I don't know, kind of <laughs> residually traumatized maybe for a little while where going to bed at night, I would have like kind of a fear that's like, oh, I'm going to see them again and something's going to happen, which never happened, thankfully, I guess. Although if it had, it may not have been, you know, some horrible event because this last experience wasn't. Yeah, at the time, I was definitely not scared. I was more like curious maybe and kind of amped up on adrenaline. But um, afterwards, after like replaying in my mind, it was kind of a, a scary experience in retrospect. Yeah, I get that too, definitely. <laughs> but I, I think like you said, if, if they wanted to do something, they would have done it while you were asleep. Certainly, these things prove to us consistently that they have control over the situation and we're just there yeah absolutely i definitely did not feel like it was, like it was a situation that i was in control of yeah and i think that's at least in any of my sort of uh again quote unquote abduction experiences that seems to be the message over and over again that we're the ones in control here you're along for the ride for better or worse amazing it's an absolutely amazing account thank you again nick for sharing that yeah, yeah, you're welcome. I hope it's, you know, I hope it's useful. And Josh, give your website. Oh, joshuacutchin.com. Stay tuned for Weird Bigfoot. That's oh. all I'm thinking about nowadays is Weird Bigfoot. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, a, it's, a mountain, it's a mountain we are currently climbing. So yes. We, yes. We'll get to, okay, Nick, thanks so much. And Josh, thank you. And thanks so much, guys. Really, really loved it. We will be back next week with more Strange Familiars. I would like to thank the following folks who gave us donations via the PayPal Me link. Lindsay S., Paul B., Samantha N., John B., Kim W., and Eric C. Thank you guys so much. It's a great help. Strange Familiars is brought to you by Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more, darkhollerarts.com. If you are on Facebook, you can check us out, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. And we also have the Strange Familiars Gathering group there as well. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more.
how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.